Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand hand with baking for those we love. This week, we're reviewing our semifreddo with honeyed peaches from Women's Day. Was this Italian favorite a slice of the sweet life? We'll also introduce an almond butter no-bake cookie that uses pretzels for crunch. And speaking of kids' favorite snacks, we'll have a discussion about some of the best cookbooks for kids. If you have a junior baker in the house or you just need a project to while away the long days of summer vacation, stay tuned. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, London is having this intense heat wave, and guess what I'm drinking right now? Hmm. Iced tea? Lemonade? Iced tea! You got it! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Well, my favorite beverage of choice on a hot day is the iced tea lemonade combo, which I know what it's called, but I have a hard time saying it. The Arnold Palmer. (laughs) Arnold Palmer, why is do you have something against Arnold? No, or you, you mean like literally you can't say the I word. I literally have trouble. Something about saying Arnold followed directly by Palmer. I almost always mess it up. So I will in a restaurant order iced tea and lemonade, and the server always says, "Do you mean an Arnold Palmer?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes." Maybe you just have to have like a really nice pause in between the names, Arnold Palmer. Does that help? <laughs> that does. Maybe Who that's knows? it. Well, I hope that is refreshing. It is. I had made some lemonade from a great cookbook, um, Sheila Lukin's USA Cookbook, during for the 4th of July here. And in that recipe, particularly, you make a simple syrup. And so I had a bunch Mm. left over. And there's nothing better than just being able to add a little simple syrup to some iced tea Mm. in my mind. So if you hear the ice cubes clinking in the glass, then you'll know I'm staying refreshed in this heat wave. So did you bring a little 4th of July celebration to London this year? We did. We had some friends in town from the U.S. actually, and we tried to recreate American favorites, which is sometimes just like we're on another planet and they've (laughs) tried to make it like the U.S., but it's just a little wrong. And that's kind of what happened. Um, We all had fun and they were were great sports about it. Um, Shout out to loyal listener Lydia and her family. And we had hot dogs, potato salad, which was delicious. Potatoes here are so, so good. Mm. Um, The lemonade, I made this ice cream. I made two kinds of ice cream. And then what else? Baked beans. Yeah. Mm. It was like all ever, all the elements were there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then it was just like another work day. So <laughs> just a Wednesday, just any old Wednesday. Just, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking perhaps of a tradition a little closer to home then, I saw that the recycling movement uh, has not passed by the royal family. <laughs> And they are not wasting food. So did you see what Kate and William served at Louis' christening? Did see this, and I <laughs> had the exact thought. So they served their wedding cake, uh-huh. which is now seven seven years old. Seven is that years correct? Old. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little slice, little slice of the past there for their their second son, their third child's uh-huh. um, uh, christening party. Now, I have a few thoughts about this. <laughs> <laughs> I do as well. 
<laughs> what what are you thinking? First of all, yes, as you led off this this uh, as you introduced it so so brilliantly. Don't we appreciate they're doing their bit to reduce food waste? That's right. I mean this this big hunk of cakes just sitting in a freezer somewhere waiting <laughs> for to be auctioned off down the road, right? Because you had mentioned several episodes ago that they had auctioned off a piece of Lady Diana and Prince Charles's wedding cake. Wasn't that the one? That was one in California, and that was by someone who was a guest at the wedding. So I, I at least imagine it wasn't taking up a lot of freezer space somewhere. But for Kate and William's cake, I think I read it was either seven tier or 13 tier. I can't remember. And um, I did I was thinking to myself, like, is there a special, you know, chest freezer somewhere in the palace where they store all of these wedding cakes? There's lots of rooms. Yeah, lots of rooms. Perhaps the chest <laughs> freezer room is the one you don't see on the tour. Oh, my goodness. Well, I like that Kate has brought a lot of things to the royal family that we haven't seen before. And it was funny in the article that I was reading and where it caught my eye, it mentioned that she has reworn dresses. <gasps> Gasp, mm-hmm. the horror, mm-hmm. you know. And so she is just doing her part to contribute to the recycling. So I thought this was something that just she had dreamed up. But as I looked more into it, it turns out that it does say that it is a British tradition that you save your wedding cake and you serve it on the christening of your children. So they also did this um, for their other two children. So this was not the first time. This is actually the third time they have served their wedding cake at their child's christening party. So one does wonder, how much cake did you stick in that (laughs) freezer to now be serving it to three? I mean, pretty probably substantial parties, right? Right. I mean, I would think so. You know, a couple dozen people at least are eating this cake. And maybe some, there's maybe some guest overlap, in which case there might be some people who now have this cake four times. <laughs> Getting a little tired of it. Well, and imagine Kate and Will's <laughs> private conversation, like, you know, should we have another child? Well, I don't know, honey. Let's check the freezer and see if we've got enough cake. <laughs> Do we have any cake left over? Yeah, I especially feel a little sorry for Louis in this one mm-hmm. because he's already, what, fifth in line to the throne yeah. and... You know, could maybe they have splashed out on a fresh cake for this kid? I don't know. I, you know, I understand <laughs> protocol, etc. But well, moving on to desserts that are a little bit fresher, let's do a review of our semifreddo with honeyed peaches. This came from Women's Day magazine. It was basically a two-component dessert. So the semifreddo was a um, frozen mixture of creme fraiche and confectioner's sugar and some very cold, heavy cream and some pistachios. And then there was a topping of peaches that had been macerated and steeped in a little bit of lime juice and honey and mint. Stefan, how did this one turn out for you? You know, I was really laughing as I was reading this recipe. I think we may have set a new preheated record. Under the prep time, it says zero hours, five (laughs) minutes. I think mine maybe took seven minutes, but still, it came I mean, that thing has come quickly. close. Yes, mm-hmm. it absolutely did. One reason, as you just alluded to, this is really just frozen whipped cream. Mm-hmm. And years ago, loyal listener Christy gave me the best tip for whipping cream so it comes together even faster. Just an hour or two, even 30 minutes before you're going to whip that cream, put everything in the freezer everything put your bowl put your whisk attachment if you're doing it in the KitchenAid everything just shove it in the freezer (laughs) she even has a special whipping cream bowl and it has really high sides Mm -hmm. it's almost like a vase okay like a flower vase Mm -hmm. anyway if your 
implements are as cold as the cream, it just it whips immediately. So I always do that too. So I was really, yeah, I was really hoping for that five minute prep time. Um, this came together so fast, there was nothing to it. You have your eight ounces of cold creme fraiche, which I was able to find no problem, a quarter cup of confectioner's sugar, another eight ounces of heavy cream, and a few shelled and chopped pistachios. And you put that in basically a loaf pan lined with plastic wrap, freeze that for a bit, and right before you serve, you make these honeyed peaches, which are honey and mint and a little lime juice and then the ripe peaches. Ultimately, I thought this was too tangy, and I wanted to ask you, because I had not had any experience with a semifredo before, is this the normal tartness? Was this on the tangier side? Are they sometimes sweeter? Could I have added more sugar? How, how, do, I, how, do, I know, how do I know about that? Oh, interesting. I was going to make my own creme fraiche if I couldn't find it in the store, but I did find it quite easily in the store. So okay. I did use store-bought creme fraiche from the Vermont Creamery, I think. I used the quarter cup of confectioner sugar, the heavy cream, and I would say I had an opposite experience. I didn't find it tangy. I found it incredibly bland. Also, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Not there was nothing really going on there. No, and that's not been yeah. my typical semifredo experience. I have had okay. semifredos that I would want to eat plain because they were okay. so good. That is not how I felt about this one. Yeah, it was it was um, similarly not too enthusiastically received in our house. Another thing I had texted you about that might have contributed, mine turned a little too crystally for my liking, and I may have left it too long in the freezer. I think it says, what, four hours? Mm-hmm. Mine was maybe six hours and I thought it had just gone a little too crystally not as smooth I think you had when we introduced this um, last episode in episode 83 you had said the words airy and very light and that's not what this texture wise was for me did you have a similar texture no I I might have whisked it way more because again my experience with semifredo is that like I said airy and light so I just decided I mean it said to do the soft peaks on the creme fraiche for one to two minutes well after two minutes mine still didn't have soft peaks of course I didn't know to put all of my implements in the freezer so I kept that going for quite a while and then when I added in the cream again I, I kept it going so I just whipped in probably way more air than you should I did not have the crystally problem at all and I froze mine overnight so okay Mm -hmm. okay well maybe I should have just kept on beating it then Um, I did and my family really did like the honeyed peaches I thought those were a really nice thing you could put on any kind of ice cream or pound cake so I might make that again Uh, they did it was just a really nice summertime taste we have good peaches coming in from Spain right now fresh mint fresh lime I did like that so might make that again but probably would be on the lookout for another semifredo recipe. That mirrors my review exactly. We loved those honeyed peaches. We ate them just as dessert. And I thought, I think I would just maybe take a tiny little bit of whipping cream and spoon it on top of these peaches and call it a day. I don't think the semifredo added anything. I did use for my honey, uh, hot honey from Jacobson Salt Company. And I thought that added a little bit of zing to it. I just thought that would fit in well with the the lime juice and the mint. And it it was really good. Now, hot uh, hot temperature or hot spicy? No, hot spicy. 
<gasps> yeah. Spicy. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. It does. It almost makes it uh, Mexican um, yes. flavors, mm-hmm. doesn't it? With mm-hmm. the lime and, and the, oh, that sounds great. I also like that you didn't have to peel your peaches for this recipe. So many recipes with peaches, you have to peel them. And, you know, then I feel like I lose about half the fruit. So that was kind of fun for me. And I had that similar experience. I did freeze my semifredo overnight. I pulled it out about 20 minutes before I wanted to serve it. And, you know, you slice it almost like you would slice banana bread. Yeah. And I, I sliced it. I mean, it was beautifully sliced because it was frozen. But I thought, well, I need it to soften a little bit before I serve it. And I went ahead and tried it after it had been softened. And I was like, wow, this is so bland. There's not really anything going on here. And I thought, maybe I didn't soften it enough. Maybe it's too cold. So okay. I waited like another, I don't know, 20 minutes or something till it was pretty soft. And it just it just didn't have anything going for it. And it was funny because I made the comment uh, to my husband, which mirrors exactly what you just said. I said, it's just like frozen whipped cream. And he said, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> and I said, well, nothing. But I mean, I might as well have just bought a container of Cool Whip and stuck it in the freezer. I mean, it's just it just didn't, in my mind, have anything going for it. So I give a thumbs up to the honeyed peaches. I, I give a, a neutral pass on this particular semifredo. And I say, um, maybe find a, a different substitute there or something with maybe more sugar or salt or I don't know, something, just something to give it a little more flavor. Yeah, vanilla, almond, it seems like you could even maybe do a rose water. We've been talking about that in recent episodes. Just something for a little bit of a kick there. And same, same for me. I'm going to, I'm going to pass on this semifredo, but those peaches may make their appearance again on my table with a shortcake or on ice cream, something like that. Really liked those. On to something that is not going to be in the freezer, and that is the no-bake almond butter thumbprints. This is a recipe from Real Simple, and it only has five ingredients. You know how fun that is. So there is powdered sugar, almond butter, salted butter, uh, softened crushed pretzels, and strawberry jam. Stefan, are you concerned about finding any of these ingredients in London? Strangely, I am concerned about finding the pretzels. Mm. We eat probably more pretzels at home than we should. And <laughs> you would think... <laughs> what do you mean? Is there a quota? Is there a... <laughs> Whatever it is, we are over the line. Um, and, and we love them. And so it's been interesting that there is not the prevalence. I think when you go to the chips aisle in the U.S., there's just acres of pretzels oh, yeah. next mm-hmm. to those chips. And and they're just a little bit harder to find here. And the texture is just a little bit different. Not like a soft pretzel, but, but just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so I will be tracking those down best I can and hoping for the best with that ingredient. I love an almond butter thumbprint. My mm-hmm. One of my favorite, favorite Christmas cookies is an almond butter blossom. Yes, you check challenged me to that in our first season. I remember that. First December set of shows we did, we did. So I love that. I love it's a no-bake. We have our annual garden party coming up in our square here in London. So I will be excited to take those. And the only other thing is I don't think I have strawberry jam right now, so I might need to substitute on that. But that could be fun too. Yeah, I think any jam would work there. Remind me and our other listeners in the U.S. what a garden party is. Oh, it's a block party, yes. but here we call it a garden party. Isn't that just so lovely? Or perhaps, shall we say, the more common potluck. <laughs> or the more common potluck pig roast. Yes, where else can we go with this? Yeah, it's really lovely. Our neighborhood does it every year. And last year we had arrived, we were here like 
four or five days when they had it. So this is actually our second one. It feels nice to now be have been here long enough to start hitting these kind of anniversary markers again. So that feels really special. I remember that last year because it was your new introduction to all of your neighbors and it did feel like perfect timing. But I also remember kind of thinking about the pressure of like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. here's this new neighbor and it's kind of a potluck event and you have to bring something. And I I really enjoyed listening to all the food from that party. So I can't wait to get an update on this year's garden party. Yeah, listen back. Uh, So we will have both of those recipes. That was the semifredo with honeyed peaches from Women's Day magazine. And this week's bake along, which is the no-bake almond butter thumbprints from Real Simple. We'll have those up on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as our Pinterest and Facebook pages. We are right smack in the middle of summer. It is mid-July. If you have kids at home, you are either having fun with them or they are driving you crazy at this point, or perhaps a little (laughs) bit of both. What? I don't know what you're talking about. Not my children. So we thought it would be fun to talk about some projects you could do with kids in the kitchen and specifically wanted to focus a little bit on some kids' cookbooks. So Stefan, why don't you kick us off and tell us what sort of cookbooks you use for kids that you've had success with? Yeah, and I think that cookbooks don't necessarily need to be a kid's cookbook to be appealing. And one way that my family really loves to connect with cookbooks is through the photographs. That's something Mm. I'm really drawn to in cookbooks. And also I see the ones that are more popular with my kids just have a great uh, photography element as well. One that's really fun, and I actually don't know where this came from. It's a Canadian publisher, and it's called Companies Coming Cook for Kids. Mm. And it's by Ruth Parr or Parre, sorry, mm-hmm. Jean Parr, P-A-R-E mm-hmm. with an accent. And it has wonderful, wonderful pictures. It is grouped into great themes. It's all kinds of food. It's not just baking. It's seasonal. It's holiday food and it's really really kid appealing so I think it's a good entry because kids are drawn to what is in the cookbook but the recipes are really accessible too by that same token another one that I still have from when I was a kid and I started cooking is called kids cooking a very slightly messy manual and it is by it's by klutz press do you remember them I think they're still around they would they used to have you know like how to hacky sack how to knit all these things so this is their cooking book And this book is just so dog-eared, but it has wonderful instructions, and it includes when you need an adult, it has a picture of the adult. (laughs) It says, like, here's all your ingredients and tools you need, and then it will have have a helper with, like, a sharp knife or whatever (laughs) implement they need to bring. So I love that now. But there is a spaghetti meat sauce recipe here that I still make. So I've been making that for years and years and years. Um, What are some of your favorites to cook with your daughter, Andrea? Well, we like the American Girl series for all sorts of books. So similar to the Klutz books, the American Girl series has some great books. And they have one um, on baking with kids. And that one has been really great. Now, I'm sure if my daughter was listening to this now, being the ripe old age of 12, she would turn up her nose (laughs) because, you know, she's sort of outgrown that doll phase a little bit. But I think it's really perfect for, you know, any kid that's into the American Girl dolls, that's a really great cookbook. The other thing that she loves, and it's not a cookbook, I'm sorry, but you know, kids these days, what can you do? It is the um, Gordon Ramsay series, Master Chef Junior. Have you oh, ever right. seen that? 
I have not. Of course, I know I know very well who he is, but I have not watched that show. So is it the same concept just with smaller people it's baking? The, exactly. Well, it's yeah. the same concept, but with smaller people baking. And shocker, he's nice on it. And so oh, this is okay. what, you know, when my daughter first told me she was watching that MasterChef Junior and she wanted me to watch it with her, I said, oh, I cannot stand that man. He's always yelling. He's mean. He's cursing. Right. I'm thinking, I, this is just not appropriate. I was thinking, who right. would give this man a children's show? This is crazy. <laughs> and then when I watched it, of course, he's only one of the judges. There's two others who are both lovely. And he is completely different. And, you know, he in real life, he has, I think, four children. And, you know, Probably he's just a, a nice normal person and his, you know, TV persona is outsized and outlandish. An yeah. Yeah. But um, it's a, one of those really good ones where, you know, they'll either give the kids a particular ingredient or some type of challenge and it's supportive. You see the kids helping each other. I like that you see stuff going wrong and how they either rally from it and figure it out or how it can sometimes just cause them to spiral down and want to give up. I mean, it's kind of just a good metaphor for a lot of things in life. So yeah, we have really enjoyed that MasterChef Junior Series. Um, I also, I looked desperately for my childhood cookbook before we recorded this episode, and I cannot put my hands on it. I know it's somewhere here in the house. It's got the red and white checked cover. It's got um, a lady with an apron and two little kids standing next to her, kind of stick figure, cartoonish. Is it possible that that's the Better Homes and Gardens Junior Cookbook? Is that ringing a bell? It's very possible because I'm looking at mine right now. Okay. Mine is called the New Junior Cookbook. There's no lady. It's oh. just a boy and a girl making what looks like cupcakes. But it does have – the Better Homes and Gardens series does have that checked cover. Yes. So it's possible it was a, just a different edition or something like yes. that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my favorites. And I know the page for a recipe called Circus Cookies is so dog-eared oh. and smothered in peanut butter because it's basically a peanut butter cookie that it's – you know, it's probably probably completely stuck together and up in my attics. That's probably why I can't find it. But that was a real favorite for me when I was growing up. So I need to unearth that and, and get it out. I was going to say, I'm not sure if your edition had this, but mine has meals. And so it's it's a nice, if, if your child is interested in a whole meal, mm. it gives you nice examples of that, which I don't see as much anymore. Maybe people just don't eat meals in the same way. I mean, this edition of the Junior Cookbook, I think, is from the 70s. The pictures are certainly right. from the 70s. Who, so. <laughs> there's some good outfits in this one. So um, <laughs> I, I, I like that. I've always liked planning a whole meal. And so for me, it's interesting to read. And that's how I liked to cook as well. But just a little difference, I think, between between cookbooks of today and yesterday. Well, my daughter's made the comment that she wants to take on having one night a week and being in charge of the meal and sort of coming up with the meal and helping me shop for it and, you know, getting it ready. And so that might be a good one for me to pick up to sort of start with that. She's she's so far spoken excitedly about this idea. We have not yet actually executed it. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah you got to get on that while the iron is hot or whatever <laughs> metaphor I'm looking for here. <laughs> Strike while the iron is hot. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. take her up on that offer. Absolutely. 
Um, there's another one, too, I wanted to mention, Andrea, Donna Hay. And we had, speaking of oh, yeah. Pope Semifredo, when we were in our Frozen month, we had talked about her passion fruit, Semifredo. Mm-hmm. She has a new kids' cookbook out, and it's called Basics to Brilliance. So I don't think that's out yet, but it's coming sometime this summer or maybe fall. So you might keep an eye out for that. She's an Australian chef, and she is all over in the UK. I can find her stuff really easily. Oh, yeah. And, of mm-hmm. course, online she has a, a big presence as well. So um, you might might look for that. Okay, I will do that. There is another new one coming out at the end of July that I'm excited about. It's called In the French Kitchen with Kids, Easy Everyday Dishes for the Whole Family to Make and Enjoy. And I saw this on my Instagram feed because Dory Greenspan wrote the foreword for the book. Oh, yeah. And um, the author is Marty Michelle, and she has a food blog called Eat, Live, Travel, Write. And it's all about you know, traveling with kids and cooking with kids. She lives in France and she teaches a cooking school for young boys. When I think it's because she has boys, that's her children. And so she has a lot of good real world experience. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that particular cookbook coming out here soon. That sounds great. So listeners, we hope we have given you some good ideas. And if you have others that your kids love to cook from that you love to cook from as a kid we always love to hear your feedback so throw up some ideas on our facebook page and i'd especially love to see any of those pictures of from the cookbooks of the 60s and 70s (laughs) i showed my husband one from a cookbook the other day that i was looking at from the 60s and all I can think of to call it is a draped meat dish. So it was, oh. <laughs> it was a you know what a trifle dish is, right? That yeah. that tall yeah. glass, and instead of a lovely trifle in it, they had literally draped meat all inside of it, along the edges. It was just like dripping slices of meat and Cooked meat. Um, I kind of like deli style. I think was the oh, idea. Okay. I mean, I think it was almost like, well, instead of having food laid out on a platter, let's drape it about this trifle dish. But it just was such a complete unattractive visual for food. Yes. It was, and but it made me say to him, like, you know, so I'm looking at this and going, oh my gosh, that looks horrific. In 20 years, are we going to be looking at all these Instagram and Pinterest pictures and saying, oh my gosh, what were people thinking? That looks horrible. It's, you know, it's hard to imagine kind of how the, the visual things are going to evolve over time. Yeah, a- absolutely. Not not to mention just what we find palatable, what ingredients yes. we can find easily, all of that too. No, they're wonderful. I love, I love, I love. And often in the summertime, if we are traveling, I make a point to go into a secondhand store and bookstore. And one of my favorite things to buy are cookbooks. I, mean, oh, yeah. I can hardly help myself. And, and especially older cookbooks. I mean, you and I both collect those and it can be it can be this thing where I don't even want to necessarily make anything out of them. I'm just so tickled or delighted by whatever the pictures or the cuisine is, you know? It's it's really fun. Oh, yeah. No, the store owner came around the corner because I was laughing so hard looking at this cookbook. <laughs> and she came around the corner. She was like, what book are you reading? And I held up. I think it was – the funny thing is it was called Modern Family Cooking, but it was from um, like 1962. You know, and I held it up. And she got this kind of puzzled look on her face like, hmm, that <laughs> – that's Doesn't not usually so such humorous. a such a yeah. knee slapper there, but you know, good luck with you, lady. <laughs> well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get this episode onto the cooling rack. 
Next week, we'll see if I was able to track down cocktail pretzels or come up with a reliable substitution for the almond butter no-bakes. And we'll introduce a special summertime lemon crunch bar that Andrea is already going gaga for. Finally, in the Preheated Book Club, we'll share what listeners recommend this summer and what we're reading, too. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.